0: What's going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to The Shy Factor with Jake and Jordan, where I, Stephen Schock, am joined by Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz to talk all things college baseball and beyond. Jordan, Jake, how we doing?
1: Oh, my God. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be joined by you, who uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, we had no idea you existed, my good friend, Stephen Schock. And now here we are hosting this
2: podcast for D1 Baseball.
1: Jake, is this weird? I mean, we're hosting a podcast with someone else.
2: Yeah. It is weird, uh, just so people know, new listeners, I'm Jake, that's Jordan, we've been making baseball content together for almost a decade, and yet we wanted to open up our marriage to a throuple, and we have looped in Stephen Shock for this joyous jamboree of college baseball. Stephen, how are you feeling about it?
0: I, I am feeling absolutely pumped up. I I don't know how I got selected. I feel like I won the lottery, or a more a more accurate representation would be getting called down on the prices right, mm-hmm. something that I've always dreamed of, and this is something I've dreamed. You of. you went
2: one one in our you were one one. you can tell <laughs> you know first
1: overall, I know right. I know i again eventually on this podcast, I'm sure we will discuss your uh, potential foray into pro ball after your final year at uva last year but you were not selected in the mlb draft last year but we decided to use our number one overall pick on you sir
2: you know like how on the well, wall it's like number of major <laughs> leaguers like number of all americans like all-star games uh, one podcast it's just you on the wall. one podcast yeah I,
0: at uva they have the wall of the former players jerseys it's who's in the mlb who's making a podcast with Cespedes as barbecue? I want my jersey hung up. We're going to find a way.
1: We will, we will work on that. Uh, but, Stephen, why don't you tell people about – I mean, we, again, like, if, if people follow us, you know, they know we love baseball. If you are tuning into this, you probably know that Stephen loves baseball. He has been crushing it in terms of just sharing college baseball content uh, over the first uh, you know, couple months of this season um, of you being a non-player, right? So you're, you're on the <laughs> other side now. Uh, and so for us, it was like, who, who else would we want to do a college baseball podcast with? But before we, you know, get into our first show, like, what is the point? Why are we doing this? Why, why did you want to, to, to pursue this? And then we can, you know, tell, tell everyone. Well, for thing.
0: me, it's simple. Like, you know, I spent the past six years playing college baseball. I wanted a seventh. The NCAA wanted no business of that. So I'm thinking, how do I stay involved? How do I keep going? And, you know, I got this whole platform, all my Twitter followers, just because someone put the spotlight on me. And now that I have the platform, might as well put the spotlight on other cool guys that I like. So, for me, it was really simple. I've always wanted to talk about baseball for a living. I think it would be a sick life, and I love baseball. It's I, I'm gonna say baseball a million times, and you know the listeners, you're just gonna have to hear me say baseball <laughs> a bunch. I'm gonna try to stop. Don't worry. Who, who's don't worry. To say if I will. Yeah, we're not gonna
1: <laughs> veer off uh, into other sports, at least for the most part. But. Yeah, I think, I think we, we, we share in that goal, obviously, like, when we look around and everything that, that Jake and I have done, you know, with Cespedes Barbecue over the years, it's just because we love the sport. And, most, and the whole reason why we're diving into this podcast is because we love the sport at every level. Um, and while we are lucky enough to, you know, cover Major League Baseball for a living, uh, college baseball is something we are extremely passionate about. And have only gotten more so over the years, and we can we're going to get into our credentials a little bit here. But before before we do that, let's talk a little about what this show is going to be, Jake, because yeah. we should so very very some you know some some clarifying words, some some disclaimers, if you will, if you're tuning in, what can you expect in a weekly edition of the Shock Factor? What what
2: would be the best way to describe it, Jake? Uh you let me say what you should not expect. Okay, don't expect top five NBA point guards. Okay, cross that off your list. Not, not a lot of LeBron MJ Fair. debates. on Probably here, not. Think. But we can do that. But not right now. Um, don't expect a conversation about, um, you know, let's say, Coastal Carolina's seventh inning guy. Do they have the bullpen depth to really make a run to win the conference? Okay, that's the podcast that comes out tomorrow. Those guys do a great job. We can never replicate that type of energy. What we are good at, what we know how to do. And what we hope you enjoy from us is the culture, the bizarroness, and the weird world of college baseball that is both on the diamond but beyond it. We're not going to break down the top 25, but we are going to talk about Texas. We love the volatility of the sport. We love the, you know, the, the more than the wins and the losses, okay? On this show, we're going to talk about O and 11 Alcorn State. That is going to happen. That's, that's going to happen, happen later. It
1: yeah and and we like as if you follow Stephen on twitter you know that every weekend the the level of unpredictability in college baseball at all levels but certainly even at d1 which is you know the best college baseball is unlike certainly professional baseball and that is what we love about it right Stephen?
0: Yeah, none of it makes sense. We won't tell you if Coastal's got the bridge guy or anything like that, but we'll tell you what sort of beers the bridge guy likes to drink and all the weird shit he does in between when he's not on the field because that's, that's the fun stuff.
1: Exactly. These are people, as we learned last year with you, uh, you are a person even more <laughs> I, so I than the poo sling and a reliever uh, that we love watching <laughs> and closing out games uh, for the Who's. Now, um, also important, it's like who, who are we? Right. Maybe you're tuning in and you follow the D1 Baseball feed and you're like, what in the world is this podcast that showed up on my phone? Uh, who the heck is, is talking in my ear holes right now? Uh, Stephen, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm
0: Stephen Schock. I just got done playing baseball at the University of Virginia. Some people call me Big Donkey. Some people call me the Dippin' Dots guy. I, I should have said I'm the Ferrari guy. I wish, I wish I were. I wish I were the Ferrari guy. I'm
1: not. That's a great point. But yeah, you could have. Who knows I, what, what your life would have been like if you had said... <laughs> I just want. "Mm,"
2: I just want a ton of assets from J.P. Morgan Chase.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The bank account would be looking different. All the dippin' dots, they all melted. So that that's where we're at with that. But I just got done wrapping up my career at UVA. I played six years of college baseball, only two of them at UVA. I played my freshman year at App State. What is App State? What is App
2: State? It is not the state where you can buy appetizers. (laughs) <laughs> Not the App Store. No, I right? wish
0: it were. We had a Fire Chili's. They had a great two-for-20 deal if you were an App State no student. Free ads. So that was actually huge. Yeah, Shouts out to Boone. <laughs> no free ads. Yeah, we we had a random restaurant that had <laughs> two-for-20, whatever. But, but anyway, App State, Appalachian State, in the mountains of Boone, North Carolina, where I got a little cabin fever and went a little crazy for a little bit. And then I transferred to UMBC, played – Three years there, well, two years there after redshirting my first year because the NCAA really hated when I had fun, so <laughs> they didn't actually hate it. But those, are, those were the rules of my time. That's how old I am, that I had to sit out, couldn't do the one-time transfer. And then after graduating UMBC, which I did by the skin of my teeth, I got into UVA to throw baseballs, and
1: here we are. Wow, here we are. Yes, and obviously last year – uh, God got probably much more attention in even those first three weeks uh, pitching for UVA than you did in the five years between or four years between App State uh, and and UMBC, which I'm sure was weird. Yeah, the
0: the visibility that the Retrievers get is not as not as high as UVA. A we had a lot more dogs at our games at UMBC than we ever did at UVA, which you know. I mean, I'm all for that. I think every game should be a bark in the park, but we'll talk about that later on in the show.
1: Fair uh, enough. And obviously, I, I would say that, you know, we'll, we'll get into Shock's career uh, yeah. sporadically throughout this show. But, um, Jake, who are we? What are we? Why are we on here?
2: Well, well, you know, Jordan and I started a little, little blog piece back in uh, 2012 when we were in high school, named after Johannes Cespedes. Remember him? He did not play college baseball. That is, that is for certain. Um, <laughs> he did not do that. Uh, And then we worked uh, for Major League Baseball for like a minute and a half out of college and then worked at a bunch of other places. And now we work at Fox Sports. We write about baseball. We make videos about baseball, Major League Baseball. We used to have a podcast talking about Major League Baseball, too. Maybe we will again one day. Who knows? But right now, (laughs) our focus is on the world of college baseball. Jordan and I have been friends for a long, long time. We are only friends because of this sport. If this sport didn't exist, we would be mortal enemies. And we were in middle school. That is true. true. That happened. It's true. We were not. We did not get along. But Jordan, why don't why don't you tell everybody, tell the listeners about your baseball background? So, I, what I would like yeah, to hear let's, from let's, you. Let's
1: establish our credentials. I would
2: like to hear your your <laughs> position. Where do you play? Oh, yeah. I want this to be yeah. like we're a bunch of freshmen. Mm-hmm. And you know, the meeting shock where like all the freshmen hang out with before they meet the rest of the team. Like, it's like, hey, let's meet at the yeah. dining hall and first, like before we have to go over there to throw.
0: Yeah, it, it's not much of a meeting. It's just a pissing yeah, contest. Yeah, it's like everyone's shoulders are back,
2: <laughs> right? And their chests are out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what right.
0: no one wants to be the dumbass. That's guy. what we're going to do.
2: All <laughs> right, so uh, Jordan, uh, give me your position, give me your college accolades, the fastest you've ever thrown a baseball and the ideal double-header lunch meal?
1: All right. So, first of all, it's much easier for me because unlike the freshmen in those situations, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't care. So, I don't <laughs> need to lie. I don't need to make stuff up. I can be very upfront about my baseball background. And that is fairly non-existent. That's not totally true. I would say my, my baseball ability peaked around age 11, 12. Beast. Uh, when I was... Uh, Yeah, when I was killing it uh, in the rec leagues here in suburban Washington, D.C., as a center fielder and pitcher, uh, I would say my best skill on the diamond was center field defense. I couldn't hit a lick. I was a pretty good pitcher as an 11, 12-year-old, but I decided to quit baseball shortly after that and kind of gave it up, and then from ages like 13 to 15— bad time to quit baseball if you have intentions on getting back into baseball, (laughs) which is what I (laughs) attempted to do, and that did not go very well. I quickly realized I was not going to play baseball anymore, and so that was that. I I didn't play in college anywhere. I ended up uh, going to uh, a school uh, in Ohio called the College of Worcester, D3, Uh, and I was uh, very close with a lot of the guys on on that team, but I've not played competitively since Jake invited me for a summer men's league game about or five years ago. So that's my – now, what's the hardest I've ever thrown a pitch? Uh,
2: I want you to answer college accolades. I want you to just oh, college say accolades. what are your college accolades, Jordan. Okay,
1: college accolades. Well, I graduated with honors. That's good. Oh!
2: <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Shock. what about uh, you, man?
2: I, <laughs>
0: not, not honors. I, I graduated. It's an, it was an <laughs>
2: honor for you to graduate.
0: Yeah, that's what they told me. I, um, I caught, <laughs> I've caught
1: a couple foul balls at college baseball games. Very so nice. My fielding percentage is actually pretty good in that regard, if we're counting those. Um, but no at-bats, no yeah. innings, no official stats in the NCAA. Again, attended a bunch of games uh, at the Division three level, but that's it. Hardest I've ever thrown a ball? That's a great question. I, I'm not even sure I know for sure, but if I had to guess, it's probably between 74 and 77 miles an hour. Wow. That would be my guess. Wow. And that's probably generous. Now, how hard could I throw right now? Probably 70, 68, probably okay. 69. Uh, and, qui- and quickly,
2: what? you're between-double-header meal ideal.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, those sandwiches and, you know, no, no ads, at least not yet. Um, but if I was picking, it would probably between – I would probably go pot belly if I was lucky. But that's not – it's a regional thing, right? So, that's not available everywhere.
2: Yeah. But that's my sandwich of choice. All right. Shock, why don't you go – just give me position. Oh college accolades be brief i know you have many fastest you've ever thrown a baseball (laughs) An ideal doubleheader okay
0: okay so position Uh, i was a pitcher i was a submarine idiot um college accolades what i'm most proud of in my college career was actually my one at bat against hofstra they had some dude on the mound sitting like 90 to 93 when we were at umbc And he threw me, I've seen one pitch, it was a fastball right down the middle, grounded it out to shortstop. After the game, I was told it was 91 miles an hour. Very proud that my swing to contact ratio, I think that's a Buck Showalter stat, like one of those dude damage ratios, whatever he's making up. That thing's through the roof. And Um, you pulled the ball. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was a a double play. So I'm also, like, very efficient. I... (laughs) I grounded it to the shortstop. Like Hitcher's three...
2: best friend, dude.
0: Exactly. I took three hard steps. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This inning's over. Okay, it's a great answer. Right. Fastest you've just, ever thrown a baseball? Yeah. Fastest I've ever thrown that I have video evidence of is 93. I like to believe that somehow I got the wind behind me and I threw one harder. But 93 was a true miracle, <laughs> if I'm being honest. When was that? <laughs> that was last year against Florida State. Okay. So their fans were their fans were giving me some energy which was good and I I used it to my advantage. And I got video of it so there is video evidence it was a swing and miss so I doubt it was a mystery because no one's swinging a bat 93. So I got that going for me and I'm going to tweet that video out probably once per year just to pump my gas up a little bit, remind myself that I used to have it.
1: I got to be honest, Uh, man. That's higher than I thought the answer was going to be. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Look, I I don't know how I did it. It was a miracle. Someone else did it, and I was just kind of on the mound Mm. on the ESPN feed somehow. I don't know. But I'll take it. And then my ideal doubleheader lunch meal, I would say – I know you've probably seen pictures of me. You're thinking that's a guy who eats a nice kale salad. Uh, No, I – honestly one time at umbc i had a mcdouble between a double header and not just because i like repetition and things like that i just like mcdoubles and it, it honestly was phenomenal i mean i sit for eight innings on a good day so you know i got time to digest get my seventh inning uh you know, cleanse out and then I go and
1: pitch.
2: Mick Doubleheader. I love it. Jake Mintz. Jake Mintz. Yeah.
1: Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the, to the audience? How's
2: it going, everybody? Uh, my name is Jake Mintz. Uh, I was also a pitcher. Uh, unlike Shaq, I, who was a submarine idiot, I was a sidearm scholar, um, <laughs> a, a highly educated gent coming from the side. Uh, I was a pitcher at Washington University in St. Louis, which is different than the University of Washington which is in Washington, and Washington College, which is in Maryland, and George Washington, which is a president, a bridge, and a college in D.C. I was a Jewish All-American my senior year, which is a real thing that they do give awards for, and it is not about how good you are at Judaism. It's about if you are a good Jewish pitcher. And second team All-Central Region. Second team All-Region. All first in conference. I mean, you know, we, we figured it out. We put it together there at the end.
1: Fe- yeah, I, again, encourage everybody to take a look at Jake's stats, uh, pull up his WashU bio.
2: Just an incredible career arc for, for, yeah. for my friend Jake here. Um, and then the fastest I ever threw a baseball, I, I did a tryout for the Frontier League um, my senior year, and I snorted a line of nerds candy in the bathroom to get myself juiced up <laughs> beforehand. And I threw a pitch 85 miles an hour from the side. Hell yeah. And, uh, best day of my life. Um, and I would say, until this one, Until this one for me, the ideal, the ideal <laughs> double header meal. Uh, and this was a special that we would get all the time in college from a restaurant that I'm not going to shout out, but whose name sounds very similar to former Orioles closer, Jim Johnson. Wink uh, was the the bread the bread meat cheese bread sandwich where there is no lettuce there is are no uh, condiments around or available and you are just biting in to dry meat cheese and bread and it's like a sponge in your tummy and it's nothing sits better nothing um, disintegrates better over time over the course of a nine inning ball game than that. So that would be my answer, Jordan. <laughs> I think we've, we've spent enough time introducing ourselves. So I think we should – let's talk about college baseball. I mean, we should – Let's do it. You know, just get, it. It, so, yeah, just get into let's it. Let's just get into it, do it.
0: That's why we're here, right?
2: So, Jake, you just mentioned,
1: you know, doubleheader, uh, doubleheader meals, right? And I think that that's a good place to start for this first show uh, because we had a lot of doubleheaders this weekend, uh, a lot of teams in the top 25 having to play doubleheaders. And that was largely a result of the weather, which was crazy, not just in you know, more of the northern and midwest places, but also in Texas uh, and across the southeast. We were having snow and rain and all kinds of crazy uh, weather that was, that was changing schedules left and right. And so we just wanted to talk about the concept of a doubleheader uh, in this sport that we have because it is not something you can really do in other sports. You can't play multiple games. Uh, I know I, I'm pretty sure this happens with, with basketball sometimes at lower levels, but you certainly can't play two football games in one day. Uh, and you probably can't play two <laughs> basketball games in one day just from a conditioning standpoint. But baseball, while, of course, baseball players are athletes, pitchers especially. Um, there, of course, there is less conditioning required. Sorry, soccer, you can't do two of those in one day. There is less conditioning. And so it's normal to just play two. Right. You just do that. Um, Stephen, what was your doubleheader strategy? I'm sure you played a ton over your uh, 60 year collegiate career. Um, (laughs) How did you go about uh, preparing for them and getting through a long day at the yard?
0: Um, so it's definitely tough as a relief pitcher. You're obviously going to find different ways to entertain yourself throughout the game, find different games you can play within the game and especially, You know, a lot of being a relief pitcher is just hanging out and shooting the shit with your buddies. So, a doubleheader was, you know, that was a cakewalk because it's like, okay, these guys have to hang out with me for more time now. So, I'm just going to keep hanging out with the boys. But, I mean, if you're playing in those situations, because at UMBC we would have doubleheaders on Sundays. We'd never played Friday games. It was one game Saturday, two games Sunday to save money. and because education was super important. They say you can't miss classes. And so as a relief pitcher, what I would do is I would just drink C4 before I had to go in and pitch because, you know, it's just something to get my energy flowing and get me going. But on double-hitter days, that's very risky when you have a close game, first game, and the second game is close as well. It's like, oh, geez, what do I do here? Do I risk it? Do I not risk it? When are you trying to peak
2: for basically?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so... I actually had one game, we were, or well, two games, because it was a doubleheader, and we were at Albany, and I had taken C4 and pitched in the first game, and I read somewhere that you probably shouldn't take more than one scoop of C4 like in a day or month or something like that. But the second game, we were about to tie it up, and it was the sixth inning. We played seven innings on the second game. And I took my C4, and I was like, okay, well, I'm ready to go in and pitch, and then the game ended because we lost, and so I had all this free flow and C4 in me, so I had to pull the trigger just to get it out because I'm a health freak. You know me. I'm a health freak, but that was my doubleheader strategy with a little anecdote about my life.
2: When you ask that Um. question, Jordan, you are not expecting (laughs) anything related to upchuck. Um, (laughs) Pulling the trigger.
1: By the way, shout out to what must be a huge rivalry between the Retrievers and the Great Danes. I mean, that's got to be fierce.
0: The America East loves the loves animals. DMX was there yeah, every year, especially dogs.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where my dogs at? Uh, Jake, <laughs> um, can you relate to that? I don't know how many times you had to pitch. Have you ever pitched in two different doubleheader
2: games, like back-to-back games of a doubleheader? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe that was something I ever had to do. I did okay. once warm up. Seen, yeah. I once pitched yeah. in game one and, and warmed up for game two. But I never had to pitch in games one and two. I, For me, I, the funniest thing about a doubleheader is that it's your day. It is the time in your college baseball life when it, it feels most like a job. It is because you are waking up on a Saturday morning and you are heading to the field at like 8. You're getting there at like 8 a.m. to drag it and to prep it and to stand around while your friends take BP and whatever – and then it's, like, 11 o'clock, and you start playing, and you've already been there for three hours, and you're like, I'm going to be here till 6. You're like, I'm going to be here the entire day. This is my day.
1: Like, well, even later, <laughs> right? I mean, we're, we're, we're recording this on Sunday night, and we've had a couple games go super late now, of course. That's another big difference between D1 and D3 is uh, not a lot of lights at D3 fields, so you better wrap <laughs> that game up before the sun goes down. Um, but, but to your point, Jake, right, it is especially love when games go, uh, when the first game is crazy and you just think, wow, we're about to play again. I just cannot. I just always think about it again. Like, I I didn't even. This is me talking. I'm just, even as a fan, I'm looking at this like, this is nuts. You seriously about to play another baseball game?
0: (laughs) There are times where I would be lacing up for game two and just be like, dude, are we serious? Is this really (laughs) happening? Because, you know, when the games are tight, it turns. It goes from being a marathon to being a sprint real fast. And you sprint and you go on a marathon again. I, I've never run a marathon, but I can't imagine that's a good plan.
1: Right. That is a, that is a great way to put it. Um, uh, but the other thing I wanted to talk about with, with the doubleheaders this weekend is why they were happening. We talk about the weather. And I, I, I want to get this conversation in here this, this week because uh, hopefully this is not relevant at any other point during this, uh, during this season. And that is snow baseball. Uh, we were recording this on March 13th. Uh, we just had daylight savings. Um, you know, it's, it's laid out longer. But in some places, certainly in the northeast, midwest, we, we're, it's still very cold. It's still snowing. And we had a particularly ridiculous snow baseball situation uh, in Louisville, of all places, um, <laughs> over the weekend. Where also, I think it was a doubleheader situation where I believe they played the first game. And then the second game, by about the second inning, it was uh, comical, to say the least. And <laughs> Stephen, I know... It was, an- it was Antarctic. <laughs> it was and and now this has been pointed out with with rain outs, or with with a lot of rain is that sometimes it can be misleading and that it is actually looks worse on tv than it is in person however based on the the quality of the baseball being played in louisville it clearly was snowing way too much to be playing baseball steven you tweeted um at something along the lines of you know f this this is nonsense i would never do this uh have you ever had to play yeah. in snow and is that why you said that so,
0: I, I just said it because I know how hard it is to play in the rain. So, when it's snowing, like, cold rain sucks. Frozen rain, which is what snow is, for those of you who don't know, welcome to my meteorological It's podcast, not just Mike Trout, that's a it's Steven
2: Schock. <laughs> just yeah, that too. Exactly. exactly.
0: But just in those conditions, like, the clip was the guy throwing it to the backstop like four, four games in a row. In those conditions, either bang the game or just say, look, we're going to cheat this game. Give give both pitchers pine tar. Oh. We'll get through it. We'll survive. That's my philosophy. As long as both pitchers get it, just like a n- nice little tiger stick on the back of the mound, just just so they can throw fastballs right down it's, the middle. <laughs> that is my one solution. If they're going to make them play in the winter wonderland that is Louisville, Kentucky, then let them cheat just so, a little.
2: You know, most people would see snow, and they would say, my solution to this would be a coat, or it would be a hat. <laughs> but for you, it's Tiger Stick. And I think that is Absolutely. that is what separates you from the average. I, I think that's my it factor. Yeah. Jordan, have you ever watched a game in the snow? <laughs> I have. I mean, again,
1: in, in Ohio, uh, you could be getting snow well into April. Um, and the thing I always thought about watching games in the snow, and I, would, and I know you guys were both pitchers, but is who is it worse for, the hitter or the, or the pitcher? because it it seems miserable for both sides but I when I see the guy throwing it over the catcher I'm like yeah I don't know how you throw the ball straight like I don't understand that at the same time trying to hit and you know getting jammed even squaring it up would probably be painful like just trying, let alone trying to see the ball in the snow that's another big difference <laughs> compared to the rain like that sounds so much worse so I don't know I and I would honestly love to hear from people who have played, you know, other players? Like, I don't know what is worse. What, what do you? We need to ask, I mean, a two-way again, bias, we ask a two way guy. We got to ask a two way guy. Get Otani yeah, exactly. on exactly. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, get in him Anaheim. on the pod. Not a lot of. no, nah, he's not playing <laughs> in snow very often. But yeah, exactly. But there, look, there's, there's, there's cold weather two way guys across the country. I'm sure we can, we can get some of them. Let's ask Jake Cronenworth for all, you know. I mean, my goodness, you know, there's, there's absolutely uh, guys we can come up with. So that's what I always think about. Is just like how, how, how this just looks miserable for everybody involved.
0: And I feel like it's one of those things where no one actually knows the answer. It's just you just go through it, you just deal with it. You don't think about the game, win, lose or draw. It's just like, hey, I'm I'm home and I can feel my fingers again.
2: They're just looking at this Michigan Louisville clip, right? You're you're on, you're you're Louisville, right? You're down twelve to two in the fourth, and like I don't I know that there is a part of like a. You know, hot, elite athlete mentality. That's like we never give in. We never give up. Like we always have a chance. We fight to the end. <laughs> I think this is an okay time to quit in life. I think that like people who say never quit. Like yeah, there are some things you should never quit. You know, but like I think yeah. it's okay. I think in fact it is strong. It is brave <laughs> to quit in this scenario. And so to all the Louisville players out there who it was 12-2 to two and you're in a blizzard and you're playing third base or left field and it's uncomfortable it's okay we, we see you you are seen and heard here on this podcast <laughs> Jordan let's yeah. take a, a little break here before we dive into a bunch more things we're going to talk about the horns whether they're up or down we're going to talk about Peyton Chatigny. I do that right? And his, oh, yeah. that and, sounds and his crazy right. run around the bases. We're going to get into a little segment called Show and Go and talk about the world beyond Division I baseball. But first, we have a little ad. Now, we don't have a sponsor yet for this podcast. Well, we don't, we don't have a company yet. And that's because today's podcast is brought to you by Wet Eggs. Are you at the continental breakfast of a second-tier hotel chain the morning of a doubleheader? Are you looking to fill up for a day of baseball? with a breakfast that is neither tasty nor dry? Try wet eggs. They're literally the only option. Forget sunny side up, scrambled or hard boiled, the best eggs are the wettest eggs. So head on over to the buffet, leave behind the dry bacon, the stale bread, and the off-brand Fruit Loops, grab a straw, and indulge in one of college baseball's finest delicacies, wet eggs. Wet eggs. You don't want it, but you gotta eat something.
1: Thanks to Wet Eggs for uh, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, we'll uh, you know we'll see again. I think they just they've been they've been driving us for years. So we just wanted to make sure we shout them out. It is time to talk about the number one team in the country. Are they still the number one team in the country? We don't care. We're going to talk about Texas. Stephen Schock, This past week, University of Texas had some very entertaining baseball games, including a home and home with the old Texas State Bobcats. I got a
2: thought. Isn't it just a way and a way? All I'm saying. Ooh. ooh
1: that's a good oh, point. man. It's all about perspective.
2: That's all I'm saying. Open <laughs> up your third wow, eye. You, you just mess. up. I, I don't know <laughs> if I can
1: continue. Then they went on the road indisputably to South Carolina where they lost a series, but we don't care about the results. Let's talk yeah, about the we're, action. We're process-based. We're process-based. <laughs> we're process <based. laughs> yeah, exactly. highlight-based. Uh, And we had some spicy midweek action between Texas State and Texas. Now, Texas managed to – that was a great game, that first game, uh, over in, I believe it is San Marcos, where Texas State is. Yeah. So that was a great game. But Texas, number one, they they hung on. Incredible. But then we go to Austin, and Texas State gets it done, and we get one of the more epic examples – of horns down that we've ever seen shock. What did you think about this moment?
0: What I just thought it was incredible as a closer to have the feel to, you know, closers always are thinking, you know, what move am I going to pull <laughs> here? Whether they want to admit it or not, like it, it's a big thought. Cause you know, Fernando Rodney was one of the first ones to, you know, really get on the radar for doing that bow and arrow thing. And every other closer was like, that's sick. I can't pimp a homer on. but what can I do? And, like, for me, it was the glove throw, and this guy, he just had the phenomenal feel. I'm sure he's got a move in his head he wants to do all the time. But he was in their home stadium and just hit the meanest, quickest horns down. It was like he finished throwing the pitch, and he threw it with his pinky and ring and pointer finger. Sorry, I failed anatomy, so I'm not good at naming the fingers. But, hey, that's how we go. It was a horns down. Everybody saw it. The horns down that rocked the nation. And it was phenomenal. The guy just explodes on the mound just after absolutely freezing, one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, you know how frozen objects do with Titanics, and that was the Hispanic Titanic freezing. And, you know, I I tip my cap to him because in the game against South Carolina, he got the exact same pitch and took it about 500 feet. So that was pretty cool. But just phenomenal work out of Texas State. They are a fiery team. They're a very hostile environment. From what I recall playing against them, I did terrible. But Texas did fine. So good the, for them.
2: The, the thing about that game that was great, and I, I saw some tweets online after people were like, oh, another mid-major treating a midweek game like it's their World Series. Well, this particular interaction, this game, is the perfect confluence of forces that create – a very unique situation, right? You have all these kids at Texas state who think that they should have gotten recruited to go to Texas and are like, butthurt hurt that they didn't all of these kids in Texas play juco or, you know, high school and travel ball against each other. They all hate each other. They all know each other. And here they are playing, like you get two shots a year at them. Right. And like against Melendez in Austin, it was just the, it, the to me in baseball, there's not a better, like, horns-down moment. I, I don't think yeah. it can yeah, get better than that. Because, like, if OU does it, it's like, well, congr- Like, you you have millions and millions and millions of dollars at this program. And, like, <laughs> and you, championships. And a championships and, and, like, you know, what, et cetera. But, like, for Texas State, <laughs> it's like that's true underdog energy, right? And, yeah. It was great.
0: This right here was their Khloe Kardashian revenge body moment it, it really truly was and they just shined and you gotta tip the cap
1: uh tristan uh stivers stevers again we're gonna pronunciations please let us know um but he was our, our our hero uh on this and he's out he's had an incredible start to the year with 0.64 era and 14 innings yeah. 25 strikeouts So like that dude is not some random guy like he he obviously had the confidence to close that game down uh which was spectacular and i want to um, give and his i want to give
2: texas some credit like that's a a fun team, a chirpy team, a good team obviously. And this is related to Trey Faltini, the the moment where he signed the the heckler's ball and gave it back. Like that's to me that is wholesome good family spice, okay? Because no one is hurt, no one is like suffering as a result of him doing that. It's just like <laughs> exactly what it, the the energy of that is Perfection, Right. And it created an environment between these two teams that gave us two exceptional baseball games. Yeah,
0: that, that right there is what it's all about. Cause the fan gets the ball and he's just like, Oh shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> you like, you can't do anything about that. Like I'm pretty sure he tweeted it out and he was like, what, what do I do now? That's how Trey Faltini knows he won.
1: Right, right, exactly. And obviously, you know, they, they split the series. They were both great games. Um, and yeah, like you said, Jake, like I think that's what it's about. That, those are the kind of rivalries that you want to see. You don't – it's not the – obviously, there's all kinds of stuff in college baseball where stuff ends up going way over the line and is not kosher and we do not support or, <laughs> or condone it, it, levels of heckling, right? And we don't have to get into that. But there is a level of – intense rivalry that can seem spicy and aggressive that is extremely healthy and amazing for the sport and this was the perfect example of that 100 Um, and that's why I think we we loved it so much Uh, now that said if you're listening and you are uh, you know UT if you're Kendall Rogers and you're like what the hell guys Texas what are we talking about like let's take a couple minutes to talk about Mr. Melendez himself because while he did go down looking that specific moment it's not like he hasn't been making up for it recently and I know they lost the series South Carolina credit to the Gamecocks but my god I cannot remember a player who whose tape measure homers have captured the attention in college baseball have captured the attention of the nation so quickly uh recently as Ivan Melendez I know we sort of had you know Luke and Baker had some shine with TCU a few years back and the kind of thing I know Elijah Cabell hit some absolutely gigantic home runs, which I'm sure you were very familiar with, Mr. Shock. Um, Like, we've seen these, but Melendez is given it to us every weekend, and he hit a ball, literally 493 in South Carolina, had one against Texas State. I'm just, first of all, I'm just just very grateful that this dude decided to come back and play, right? I mean, he could have gone into pro ball last year, but he decided, no, I'm coming back. I want to win a College World Series. They came close last year. And he's 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 the Hispanic Titanic. It's an incredible nickname, and he's, he just looks like the strongest human I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's that simple.
0: Yeah, I mean, his nickname's right up there with Cespedes Barbecue because no one understands what it means, but it just freaking rocks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need to
1: know what it means to love it. I love that. I love that. And I love that we have a, a cruise ship emoji that... UT keeps <laughs> tweeting out. It's very, very uh, fitting. Well, but, but the funny, funniest part of it, right?
2: Yeah. And, like, I'm not trying to be that guy. But, like, the Titanic, it, it didn't end well. Like, I understand <laughs> that, that at the beginning it was cool and that one should right. s- strive to be Titanic in one's life as, like, an <laughs> adjective. But is is he going to sink? Like, what you know what I mean like it's, yeah, it's Titanic it's is the like no one is like oh he's the the Jewish Hindenburg you know like <laughs> <laughs> we don't name other things after failed transportation yeah
1: it is the Titanic is a weird one in that in terms of the cultural lexicon I think that's true but it just it's just so good like he it's good yeah it's good and he has embraced it from what we understand and so it's like it's hard it's, it's easy to get carried away right with this nickname now whatever He's Ivan Melendez. The dude is slugging 8-10, okay, through 17 games. He's got seven homers. Uh, and, you know, we'll keep an eye on the home run race. You know, obviously we haven't mentioned Tommy White here. Uh, he, he hasn't homered in, like, a whole couple weeks, which is just just heartbreaking to say the least. But, I mean, Melendez it, – it's, but it's not just that he's homering. I mean, he's hitting them farther than anybody else can. Uh, and that's what is so entertaining. And, and I just – I'm just – I mean, this Texas offense is, is good, but he is – it's he's the guy you're paying to see, right? This is not like LSU's lineup where it's like ten dudes that are going to get picked. Like, this is this is the Melendez show and it has been spectacular. I I, I cannot get enough.
2: All right, Jordan, let's it's a good let's show. move forward uh, from Texas to Mississippi. The college baseball play that rocked the world that that went viral. I saw it. I had other people from beyond the world of baseball sending this to me on I believe Wednesday afternoon. Ole Miss faced off against Alcorn State, uh, a real balanced matchup. Alcorn State, I, I just want to be clear, I'm not trying to be mean. Like we, Jordan and I and Steven, like we're celebrating everyone in college baseball. But Alcorn State entered that game uh, on a hefty 0 and 7, with their closest game to that point being a 12 to 2 loss to Jackson State. They have lost every single game this year. By double digits. They have allowed over double digit runs, obviously, duh, in every single game. However, they stormed in to Ole Miss on Wednesday afternoon. I mean, that is a choice. And I love Love that they're (laughs) even bothering to do that. Hit a a homer in the top of the first. They went up 1-0 in the top of the first. And then Ole Miss put up 16 unanswered runs, including a run scored by one Mr. Peyton Chatinier, where he was picked off of first... Ran to second, beat the throw to second. No one was covering third. He ran to third. No one was covering home, and he ran to home. Steven Schock, you saw this play. What was the first thing that popped in your mind?
0: So what I love so much about college baseball is there's so many elite caliber athletes on the field, and at least like once per series or once per game, there's a play or something happens where everybody just forgets how to play baseball for just a little bit. And when it's in sync, disasters like this can happen. And that that's the fun part about baseball. Anything can happen, and it just so happened that, you know, disaster struck for everybody. Everybody forgot where to go. Anarchy was ensuing. And <laughs> Peyton Chatnier just took complete advantage of it. He was like, you know what? I'll, I'll put a highlight reel on real quick. <laughs> and... My, my heart goes out to Alcorn State because I have been on the other side of forgetting how to play baseball so many times. So I don't want them to think we're picking on them or anything like that because I have been there countless times. But thank you for allowing it to happen. <laughs> Just thank you.
1: Well, also, I feel, I feel bad, bad for our
2: country, but this is tremendous content.
1: <laughs> this is the other thing is, like, the fact that they're oh and whatever and have given a bunch of runs, like, this play, I mean, I, I would not bet on it happening to UCLA, <laughs> but it can happen. Anyone, to your point, Stephen, it can happen. Anyone can brain fart their way into a defensive disaster in college baseball. That is possible for sure, right? Um, and so that's, that's just what happened here. And I would say that, yeah, I think the, the real key to the play is the third baseman seemingly wandering over to second base for no reason. Um, and because of that, that allowed Charnier to be like, oh, there's no one on third. And then the catcher, shout out to the catcher, <laughs> who almost made an incredible play here, uh, only to leave home plate uncovered, and then Peyton strolls on home. So, um, say, I want to... Uh, have y'all seen the movie
0: Zombie Yes. If you have, you'll you'll be familiar with rule number one, don't be the hero. That That applies when the anarchy modes ensued by the team, so... <laughs> Alcorn State when the anarchy mode. Catcher goes, I'm gonna be the hero. And I just No, no, no. no. Yeah.
1: I actually disagree because in this case, I think the catcher was like, Well I guess right. Presumably the catcher could have just stood there and watched him go to third and then he wouldn't have scored. <laughs> right. But instead, he was like, No, like, It was bang
2: bang it. at third base. It was a close play. I I would like to just give a shout out to I believe the the gentleman who was playing third base at the time, with someone named Peyton Bayless. Um, Peyton, Peyton Bayless... No, this
1: is Peyton on Peyton Crime? Yeah. Oh,
2: my goodness. I believe, oh according gosh. to the box score, someone named Peyton Bayless was playing third base, and Peyton Bayless was moving in a grooving, dancing his way. If you watch the video, you see him dancing, like, in the corner of the shot, in the corner of the screen, like, towards second base. And, like, I love that. Like, you feel the music. Like, you, you got to do what you got to do. Peyton's picture... Is not on the Alcorn State website now. I don't know if those two things are related.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, no. I don't want to speculate about that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, about I'm, about kidding I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. The point is, they didn't scrub He's the Scrubble. only one who doesn't have a picture. <laughs> is all I'm saying. The, the point <laughs> he's is, he's got a burn notice. This was a hilarious play, um, and and whatever. That's the thing. It's it's really that simple. There's no grander. There's no grander meaning to it. It was just very, very funny, and it made us laugh. And those are the things we're going to talk about here on this podcast. Uh, Jake, <laughs> yeah, Mintz, welcome th- to there it. There were a few other uh, plays we wanted to mention. We're, we'll go a little bit faster on these, but we're going to call this segment "Show and Go." Uh, these are just other moments throughout the weekend that made us laugh very hard, um, or at least <laughs> got our attention. Um, <laughs> let's begin uh, with one that happened today between the University, uh, no, University, yeah, University of Saint Thomas um, in Minnesota. Uh, the Division 3 runner-ups who moved up in Division One and is now in the Summit League facing off against Northwestern, and we had the classic balk-off. Now, we've seen the balk-off plenty of times. Now, I have one very big point about this video and about how this play happened, and it has nothing to do with the balk, but, uh, Stephen, what, when you saw this, it just sucks. It's just it's just Yeah, unfortunate. you hate to
0: see it because... He, he had a 0-2 count with one out as well. Yeah, Like, if it were three O and he balked, it's like, eh, whatever. He could have he honestly just been being smart, like, hey, I'm not going to walk in the winning run. I'd look like a dick if I did that, but if I balked. <laughs> but no, it was 0-2. And this is why, as a pitcher, I would always go stretch. And as a reliever, I believe you should just go stretch. So things like this can't happen. The less movement you have to do, the less likely you're going to be a balk. And, you know, do I think he's going to continue to do the wind-up over the stretch now? I don't know. But it was just very interesting to say the So, least.
2: if you haven't seen the video, basically the pitcher steps off with the wrong foot from the wind-up. So, instead of stepping back and stepping off with his right foot as a right-hand pitcher, he steps off with his left foot first, which is basically a move, right? That you can start your wind-up by moving your left foot back. And then he disengages from the rubber with his right foot. That is a balk. Can you tell that I am a baseball coach in my free time?
1: Now, to that point, I don't care at all about why it was or wasn't a balk. The point I want to make yeah. is that, as we watch the Bach, obviously the pitcher is just, you know, apoplectic. Oh, my God, what just happened? But I, listen, we are never the fun police, and this is the fun police. I cannot relate to the gentleman strolling home and
2: being extremely amped.
1: You're so scored. wrong.
2: This is a great example of the gap in you never being on a team. Like, I love you, but I mean that. Like that- okay, No, no, no. It's, I, again, this is a different perspective,
1: right? So let, let, me, let me say, right? This is just my perspective here, right? The dude just did something goofy and you walked home. Now, look, to be fair to this guy, I believe his name is uh, Steven Rustich. He had hit the... Uh, RBI single to tie the game. Yeah, okay. dude. So, okay. So they had come back, right? They were down two-one when the inning started, right? But like, I just, <laughs> I maybe maybe this is me because like, if I was him, I would I would also feel bad for the pitcher to some degree. No, to see, some no, degree. we gotta be ruthless.
0: <laughs> yeah, you gotta hate each other while you're playing. <laughs> it's okay, not and even that part. For twenty minutes no, 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 after, forget that
1: part. Forget the feeling bad. I just, it's <laughs> it just it looks. It just looks very funny.
2: It does look <laughs> very silly. Yeah, all, it, oh, don't get me wrong. It looks hilarious. It's like in yeah. soccer when there's an own goal and none of the players <laughs> know who to run to to celebrate. That's,
1: that's <laughs> what I'm getting at because, right, normally a walk-off, a, a different. If it's a walk-off walk, the guy, drew, you know, drew the walk, right? I don't care if it was four pitches. You go to him. Great. Those are, it's, it's anticlimactic the same way. Or even hit by pitch, the guy you know felt pain to to drive in the run. Honestly, right? they and should so, all
2: run to the pitcher, and <laughs> that's, this is yeah, what I'm he saying. he is the one who felt the pain. <laughs>
1: this is what I'm saying, right? Like I, in other anticlimactic walk offs, there's someone where you can celebrate on your team, and in this case, the the. The batter is just there, and so I'm not saying don't celebrate. I'm just saying it looks very goofy. Yes, <laughs> so that it does. Okay.
0: It look, objectively, it's hilarious. Okay, okay.
1: so we're we're in agreement on that. All right, uh, let's move on to our next play, Jake Mintz. Um, let's talk about falling down the stairs. Uh, <laughs> this is a game between <laughs> the Citadel and Sienna. I is, believe is this Sienna. what a stepdad is? Um, you tweeted this, Stephen, and you said the game will humble you anyway it can. Uh, this is a gentleman scoring and immediately falling down the stairs. Uh, I hope he's okay, yeah, and, by the way. Seems like... Oh, yeah. Like scary like moment. We won health. Have you ever slipped down the stairs coming back in all pumped up?
0: Um, yeah. It's very, very embarrassing because you're fired up and then your ass is on the floor and it's like, okay, well, now everyone's laughing. And they're laughing... St- wholeheartedly at me. It's not, I did something funny. Like I goof around enough to know that if I do something funny, I know how those laughs feel versus laughing at you laughs. And y- you can't continue to be fired up after falling without at first acknowledging the it's, fall. You got to be like, okay, I'm it's
2: 60 to zero, right? Like for me, it's, <laughs> you just did an athletic achievement and then you're doing something that you're 83 arthritic, grandmother could might accidentally do like leaving her apartment. Right. And, and those two things <laughs> juxtaposed to one another. It's really demoralizing. Um, next moment, Jordan. I, I, I want to talk about we, I know we mentioned Ivan Melendez before, but there was a home run that he hit one of like the 25 home runs he hit over the weekend where he homered and he bat flipped the bat forward towards the pitcher. How do we feel about that? I'm for it. As long as there's no danger involved.
0: I am strongly, strongly for it because everybody will bat flip. They'll do their little thing. It ends up the first baseline. Typically, this isn't the case. And his home runs are not typical home runs. So he gets to do extra things like he's earned that, you know, it's the same thing as like a pitcher walking the house, then striking one guy out and then getting all fired up and case running. It's like, okay, you did that, but did you earn it? His thing is, he's earned the right to be different in my mind. So I'm all for
1: it. I agree. Uh, that's a great point. And also, the physical action that he took was not that uncommon for a bat flip. Um, for a right-handed hitter to kind of, like, kind of bring your left arm back as you flip it. Yeah. But normally, it, you, it, when that flip happens, it kind of just flips straight up. And he just happened to throw it at the... Everyone was tweeting this as if he like cocked it back and chunked it at the pitcher. That is not what happened, right? Like, obviously, we do not condone that. He was not trying. Like, it did happen to end up halfway to the pitcher, but that was not his intention. And so, because of that, don't
2: care. This was not Manny Machado oh, yeah. throwing his bat at Josh Donaldson no. that one time. Uh, last wow. little play I want to talk about. Uh, Zach Neto is a hitter at Campbell University. Hump day. Uh, he hit two home runs. <laughs> Roll humps. Roll humps. He hit two. My, my lovely male humps. Uh, Zach Neto hit two home <laughs> runs over the weekend. Um, but the thing that stood out about him, Jordan, is his crazy leg kick. His load is unlike anything that I have really ever seen before. It is.
1: Now, you will see some of these in Korea. Um, but his is, it's more than that because there's a lot of hand movement in, as well. And the front leg kind of turns in a way that is unusual for a regular leg kick. Uh, but what it creates is, and Zach Neto is awesome. I mean, he's going to be one of the first. Uh, he'll probably be a top two round guy. You know, he especially, you know, at a small school like Campbell, and they got a couple guys, him and Thomas Harrington, this year. But like, I mean, it it just creates the most aesthetically pleasing home runs when guys with enormous leg kicks connect, right? I mean, Joey Bats is the best recent example that we have, right? It just is in sync, and it just feels so damn good. To watch them connect.
2: It's like Mario's Super Sluggers. When you hold, it, when you hold yes. down yes. A, yes, exactly. and it times up, mm, nothing better than that. When you I, nail it, I it
0: think is, what I yeah. love about it is because, you know, you said he's a hitter. He's also a closing pitcher yep. for them from time to time. Got to save against NC State on the year. And I would love to someday learn how to edit videos and do a side-by-side of his load when he's swinging on a 3-0 pitch. And when he's throwing an 0 fastball. And just see how similar the leg kicks are. Because I feel like they got be oh, yeah. close.
1: That, dude, he doesn't. He, there's no hesitation there. So, we love Zach Neto. <laughs> that was an incredible moment. Um, so, we, yeah, I mean, more leg kicks, the better. All right. We move. A couple more things we wanted to touch on. Now, this is the D1 Baseball Podcast Network, of course. But. Something that I think Steven has done a great job of uh, this year and we are certainly passionate about because we also host a Division Three baseball podcast <laughs> because we're crazy um, is other levels of college baseball because college baseball is college baseball. I don't care where it is, what level, what you're competing for, where you are. College baseball is college baseball. Me and Ivan and so, Melendez, we're the same. <laughs> and so, I see zero difference. <laughs> exactly. And so because of that, we uh, want to make sure we're spotlighting other levels of college baseball. And the thing we want to spotlight this week is Augustana University. Augustana University is a school in South Dakota. This is not some no-name school. These are the 2018 Division II National Champion Augustana Vikings. This year, they are, have been on the fringe of the, of the D2 uh, Top 25. They've started their year 8-3-1, but that, how they've gotten to their 8-3-1 one is one of the more incredible uh, achievements um, that we can possibly fathom, and this took place over the weekend in Florida. Uh, Allow me to set the stage. On Thursday, they were supposed to play a doubleheader in Florida against Grand Valley State. They began one of those games, and it was tied 4-4 in the eighth. The first game, tied 4-4 in the eighth, gets banged. Suspended. Okay, when are we gonna play the next game? We're supposed to play a doubleheader tomorrow on Friday against Wayne State. And we're supposed to go home back to South Dakota on Saturday. But it's also supposed to rain all day on Saturday. So when are we going to play these games? Because we got to play these games because
2: reasons. I think there are reasons. But they had to yeah. of these games. Okay. So they sent out a tweet. Not a lot of direct flights from Orlando to Sioux Falls, South <laughs> Dakota, either. Yes, unsurprisingly. <laughs>
1: okay. So they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go ahead and play our doubleheader with Wayne State. And then we're going to finish our suspended game 4-4 in the 8th inning against Grand Valley State. And then we're going to go ahead and play another game, a third game of the day on Friday against Grand
2: Valley State. So that's what 3.15 baseball games. That is
1: 3.1 game. 3. Point, right. They basically they, they didn't go into extra another game. Stephen uh, Steven Shock, when you saw that the, before I get to how this went, when you saw that this was happening what uh, did you geez. think?
0: <laughs> All I could think was, those poor players—they have families, they have friends, they have homework, which is weird that I'm saying that. That's something I would have said just to complain, but wouldn't have really, wouldn't have really cared too much for actually. But just thinking of the players, we were talking earlier about how double headers are a marathon, triple headers—that <laughs> that's like a triathlon with a marathon taped to it. And then that one one continuation game is just icing on the whole turd cake of the day.
2: That's so so <laughs> as someone who loves endurance athletics, I love this. Okay? I love it. I want it. I want to pitch the whole thing. I want to – I love this because these guys will have this moment forever. And, right? Right? You've played so many doubleheaders, these guys can basically say that they played four different baseball games in a day, okay? I don't think there's many other living, breathing people in this nation. Who could say that they that played, played four 400s, 400s, different college like the, games in right. a day?
1: There are players that appeared mm-hmm. in four different box scores, right? Like that. It is, makes
0: me feel like an ass for complaining about. I know,
1: and that's really. why we're really, really setting it up <laughs> earlier, right?
0: My my D one privilege really <laughs> showed.
1: Um, <laughs> and I've seen I've seen a triple header at the D three level, and that was in when it was hot out, uh, way worse than what it probably was down in Florida between the rain, and it was it was miserable. It was a miserable thing to watch, uh, and certainly to play in. Um, now we should mention: first game started at noon. Now they were seven innings, thank God, honestly. No. They were the first two them. with Wayne State <laughs> were seven innings. Augustana won the first game, four to two in seven innings. The game took an hour and fifty-four minutes. That was at twelve. Then at two thirty, they boom, we're playing again. Wayne State. Great. <laughs> this game is eleven to ten. They get walked off. They give up a walk off home run to lose this second game. Okay, against Wayne State. And then th- th- that happens, and they're like, we, gotta, we gotta have to go play two more baseball games.
0: And, and if I can interject, it was a walk-off three-run bomb. They had two outs. Three-run Out by bomb. Two. You hate to see yeah. it for them.
1: Devastating. But they're like, you know what? Right back at it. 6 p.m. Here we go. Now we, Make, now we go. Let's go complete water. our game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go complete our game. And they win. They win. They score in the eighth, and they beat Grand Valley State 5-4. to four. And now here we go. It's 8 p.m. Let's play one more baseball game. This one's nine. We got to play nine more innings. And they win. They win this one also. They, uh, three hour game. They win two to one. They almost, Grand Valley State scored one of the ninth, but they didn't, they didn't lose it. And I mean, hats freaking off. Oh, wait, it gets better. It gets better, folks. Okay. So now you're thinking, well, holy shit, now what? Oh, how about let's play on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. because it's about to rain and we need to get in one more game. Yeah, they did that. They play four games. They wake up on Saturday before they go back to South Dakota and they play Seton Hill. And it's 2-2 in the 5th. And it starts lightning and storming and everything, and that's that. And so that game is, was a tie, two to two. They go back to South Dakota where they are going to play, you guessed it, a doubleheader on Tuesday against Dakota Wesleyan. Uh, who knows what the, what the uh, temperature is going to be. By the way, during this, I checked the, the temperature in, in South Dakota, and it was one degree.
2: I, I got to say, I love the waking up in the morning, man. That's like hair of the dog. You have a night out. Right, you got a long day of drinking behind you, and you wake up and you have a Bloody Mary at brunch. That's what that is. Oh, you're tired from baseball. Why don't you play a baseball game? Why don't you keep it moving?
1: Um, okay, shouts out to the Vikings. All right, let's wrap this thing up, boys. Last thing we wanted to talk about, quickly, is the who's. Uh, now Always. we're not going to talk about UVA every week just because Stephen Chalk is on the pod. But they were 14 0, and then they lost. They have looked fantastic. Jake Goloff is the greatest player we've ever seen. Honest. Nate Savino threw a Maddox the other day against Duke.
0: Uh, He did, and he's not a stranger to it. He did it last year against Virginia Tech. He threw like 63 pitches through seven innings. It was incredible.
1: There you go. Uh, Stephen Schock, our understanding from our sources within the D1 baseball family is that UVA will indeed be ranked (laughs) finally this week after playing a high title, right? Yeah. Uh, where would you like to see them ranked? You'll know when you're listening to this, you'll know what they're ranked. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Full bias.
0: I personally think unbiased, seventeen. Seventeen, all right. Biased, 1. <laughs> I, think, I think Coach O'Connor is one of the best coaches in college baseball. He could lead a team of blind horses to the College World Series. I'm a full believer in that. And the good news for him is he doesn't have a team full of horses that are blind. He has – fully capable young men who can hit the piss out of baseballs, and I love it. I love it. It makes me so happy to see I just got done watching them lose to Duke. It broke my heart, and I won't get into the topics of discussion from that game that we could get into in a further episode, or down the line, there's a little teaser for you fans, but... I I just love seeing them have success. They're all playing together well as a team, and, you know, it's one of those things Coach Oak always said, one guy can't do it, the next guy's going to. And that's what I'm seeing, and I love it. I love to see how the words he always instilled in us actually work, and I love it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Devin Ortiz, the other guy, uh, speaking of, you know, two-way dudes, definitely he's been spectacular. Um, So, yeah, I mean, who's who's your hot man? And we'll keep an eye on them uh, for sure. Jake Mintz?
2: Well, I want to say, before we get out of here, there is one team in the nation that has not lost. Okay? One team. One team in one the left. entire nation. There is one left. Undefeated matters most. Miami Dolphins, 1972, still sweating. Okay? And I'm talking, of course, about the Purdue Boiler Makers. They have not exactly played the hardest schedule in the world. That being said, they, had, they did beat Charlotte in a midweek, who was ranked at some points last okay. year on the road. Princeton is no slouch. Okay, the Purdue Boilermakers are 14 and 0, and that is outstanding for them. Good for the program, and you know, I, when a team is 14 and 0, you go on the roster and you're like, start looking around and you, you poke around a team. Why is this team good? And I remembered that on Purdue, uh, the teammate of one of my college baseball, uh, the brother of one of my college teammates is on Purdue right now. He's a redshirt freshman. His name is Pat. Okay, so I clicked on Pat's hey, name. Pat. We love Pat. Went to his brother's wedding last year. Pat came up to me and said, you got to make sure you cover the Boilermakers. And I said, you're like,
1: sure, dude. Whatever. I was like,
2: sure, dude. And then little did I know that I would be hosting a, a D1 baseball podcast <laughs> and they would be 14 and 0. So, you know, I click on Pat's name. And I scroll down and you go on a lot of college baseball websites and some have surveys, right, where they ask the kids a lot of questions. Yeah. And it's usually like, what's your favorite food, favorite movie, pro athlete that you love the most? Purdue's SID, whomever they are, has gone above and beyond because the questions available for the public on Purdue's baseball website are mind-blowing. I'm not going to read all of them because you'd be here for an hour, but I'm just going to point out a few of them. Would love to see this artist play at Purdue, Katy Perry. Good choice. Love it. Okay. That's a great Current one. Current teammate with the best baseball instincts. Is this a scout survey? Are they trying to like... <laughs> yeah.
0: Is this a psychic exam?
2: Purdue staff, <laughs> medder, medder. Purdue staff member he has the strongest connection with. Specific. What?
1: My favorite is favorite costume at the Alexander Halloween bash. You know that, right? Everyone knows that. <laughs>
0: Oh, of course I mean, Fa- The old AHB Favorite
2: thing about Alexander Field The grass Love it, great pick Like
1: I, I particularly <laughs> like I like the, the fence on the third base Dugout is my choice Favorite food,
2: favorite dessert, favorite month Favorite holiday, favorite video game Favorite multimedia app Favorite superhero, <laughs> favorite podcast Not us not yet. Come on. Well, that will be after this week. And then Not my yet. favorite. He didn't know it My favorite, favorite Purdue building. Like, I just want to say, Purdue, you're 14-0 and 0 for a reason, and it's because you care about the little things, and you're completionist. And now you know all of my <laughs> teammates' brothers' preferences on this podcast.
1: Last thing um. I'm going to say, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, if Purdue is still undefeated when we record next week, they got Dayton, they got Illinois State, we will continue – to dig deeper into these bios. I promise everybody wants to hear it. Steven Shock, this has been an absolute pleasure. Do you have any final thoughts as we get out of here on this first episode of Shock Factor?
0: I have never, ever thought I would be so locked in to Purdue and them winning their week. That's all I will say. I, I am going to be locked in on all their games. like My life depends <laughs> on it because I need more. I need more of this. I love how the questions are straight to Purdue. But overall, I, I hope that you listening have learned something from us. Don't take all of our advice; take some of it, if we gave any. I don't even know if we did. But I hope you had a great time. I personally had a great time. Thank you, Jake and Jordan, for allowing me into the couple, turning us into a thruple. And I hope, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't
2: do too terrible I, for you. I don't think you, you know? did.
1: This was an absolute joy. Uh, Jake, Vince, uh, send send us out, my friend.
2: Just a reminder that this podcast has been brought to you by wet eggs. Tomorrow morning, when you're cooking up breakfast for yourself, add some water when you're making those eggs. Make sure they're nice and moist before you shove them down your gullet. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman and Steven Schock. This has been the Shock Factor Podcast on the D1 Baseball Network.